0: Hi, Spring Fans. Welcome to a Beautiful Podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring Fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday afternoon here in sunny San Francisco in California in the United States? I expect that as you listen to this, of course, it might be very well your your morning, your evening, or your afternoon. I don't know, it just doesn't matter. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Uh, I am you know, uh, any, like my dad used to say, my late father, he always said, uh, any day on this side of the dirt is a good day. And it's true. Um, it's been a good day. I'm still here. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, there's no reason that would change, of course, but but I'm still here. Just always be grateful for that. I'm always cognizant of like how uh, ephemeral it all is. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea that we get to run around on this little planet of ours and do amazing things and meet amazing people and eat amazing food that's a gift, you know, it's not a, it's not a guarantee, right? Like we're all just super lucky. And i I feel very lucky. I always feel lucky. And this pandemic, my goodness, you know, you've heard me rant about this pandemic over the last 5,000 years or whatever it's been, but uh, it really puts things into perspective. Doesn't it? Like, you know, people are having their, their long horizons and uh, their, 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 their bigger pictures shrunk. Uh, they're having their long horizons made short and their bigger pictures shrunk. Just, inadvertently you know they walk into an elevator and somebody coughs and then the next thing you know they're in a the ventilator you know it's just it could all go so quick so I always feel glad uh, when I get to talk to you all I'm feeling like um uh, you know my life is it's just really better than uh, it uh, you know I have any right to expect obviously so I'm grateful for you all I'm grateful for all the nice messages you, you all send me and for the um uh, kind uh, words about the show itself and uh, so I'm, I'm just just wanted to put that out there. I'm cognizant of all that today on this fine Thursday. Um, I had some music playing. I actually started recording this while I was listening to music, and um, and um, I, 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 was, I well, I had to redo it, didn't I? I had to shut down the music and start again because I don't want music in the background uh, of my recording. But that's where I am in my headspace. I'm just so happy, you know. I was just jamming to the music writing some code, and I was like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta get this recording out the door. Uh, and you know, things are great now. Things are going to be even better soon. I can't wait. I'm going to be getting on planes again. Um, I'm not really, I'm a little bit nervous about it if I'm honest, but, but, um, if it works, if I pull this stunt off, then I'll be able to visit several countries within the span of a month or so. So that's exciting. Uh, I was just thinking about that yesterday. I I've gone from three flights total since March of 2020. And then I'll have like 10 by the end of, uh, or by the middle of June, you know, it's crazy. It's, it kind of if if it rains it pours and by the by the by I'm not by any stretch striving to um, um, I'm not by any stretch tri- striving to um, achieve the same insane levels of travel that I had prior to the pandemic I'm just I'm just excited you know just excited to see people uh, albeit socially distantly uh, and uh, with all precautions Due precautions taken of course But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just, this is good, good stuff. Um, I'll be in Spring IO in Barcelona, Spain. I'll be in DevOps UK before that. I'll be in Toronto for the Spring Wind Tour Toronto event. Um, I think I'm going, you know, I'll be talking to people there. I'm going to uh, J Nation, you know, Lisbon, Portugal. I'll be there for J Nation. Uh, uh, And then, you know, this is all out of order. I'm just trying to remember these different events. Uh, And there's other stuff. We are developers in berlin i think i'm supposed to go to that one as well so there's just a lot of stuff happening and i i'm looking forward to meeting y'all and you know chatting safely from a distance and being able to do uh my ridiculous uh brand of uh, live performances for y'all and i um, just excited so thanks for that thanks for supporting us and uh uh it's good stuff good stuff coming really exciting i'm gonna be like i said lots of masks lots of masks but um it'll be good. I, am, um, you know, I, I, I've missed people. I really have, I've missed a lot of people. And so, um, you know, I, uh, today's guest is somebody I've missed, you know, um, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but I, I was really excited to catch up with today's guest. Uh, I've been heads down the last, uh, you know, the last year, uh, working on two different things. I've been trying to follow the amazing deluge of good stuff coming out of the uh, Spring Native teams and the Spring for GraphQL teams, and uh, Spring for GraphQL is just a, a masterpiece, right? We we already had uh, uh, Andreas Marek on the show. He's a uh, uh, the founder of the GraphQL Java project, and that is the in, that is in turn the underpinnings of the Spring for GraphQL project, the native integration for Spring ecosystem development uh, for GraphQL, and it's just it gets better and better. That I mean, obviously GraphQL Java is as mature and stable and robust and performant. Uh, as things get out there. Uh, but now this component model on top of it that we've built is just really, you know, a beautiful thing, a magnificent thing. Uh, we've got, um, it just, in the, it just in the last few months, it feels like we've gotten some huge features. Uh, first of all, at batch mapping, which is an annotation that you can use to batch all the relationship queries. So instead of saying, you know, for each customer, go and get each account, you know, n times, getting you the n plus one problem, you can just get all the accounts for all the customers in one fell swoop. Uh, we've got just just recently they announced um, uh, Rsocket support. So now you can run GraphQL on top of Rsocket, which is the best of both worlds because I love Rsocket and I love GraphQL. Uh, and GraphQL is only, you know, it's it, it supports HTTP, but it also supports uh, WebSockets and now it supports Rsocket. Why not, right? It, its use of HTTP is almost incidental and it's useful. Um, uh, it's useful if uh, you don't think of it as an HTTP technology. It's not, it's a way to explore and express data. Uh, And of course there's a new client and this client is amazing. This client uh, is a great way to reactively interact with uh, GraphQL services. Now there are actually, there's a GraphQL client, but there's a, there are some special specializations. There's a a R socket GraphQL client. There's a uh, HTTP GraphQL client. There's a, uh, you know, a, websocket GraphQL client etc there's three different specializations that i know of at least that you can inject or you can just use the base interface um and they have you know some special uh, specialized behavior for each of those protocols those little uh, you know transports uh, so that's good and then of course testing support that client is there and and we've always had good testing support now the client feels very similar to the test support right so if you've used one you'll be familiar with the other i think pretty quickly um, it's just been good stuff. I hope you're all checking that stuff out, trying it out. It's getting close, right? Spring Boot 2.7 uh is just around the corner, right? And uh, there'll be GA support for Spring for GraphQL there. Now's a good time to get involved. Um, and uh, anyway, so that back today, back to today's guest. I, I I was I've been a big fan, huge fan of Simon Ritter, whose Twitter candle is at Speak Java for, for years, right? And uh, just because he's a mad scientist and he creates these joyful, deliriously fun demos that just make you it just spark your imagination. They just make you realize, my gosh, you know, what uh, what I couldn't do uh with Java, it must be there must be nothing. You know, it just I could do anything with Java. It's just such a vibrant and rich and amazing ecosystem. And um you you if you didn't know that for sure you will know that if you watch uh Simon's amazing demos. He's the deputy CTO of uh Azul, which is a a company that's been in the Java ecosystem for you know decades that have done they do amazing things to make uh, running Java at scale possible. I mean, truly legendary—you know, game-setting, uh, game-changing levels of scalability that Java just wasn't otherwise hitherto capable of. Right? Individual JREs couldn't achieve what is now possible thanks to Azul. And um, you know, there, the, Simon is one of many amazing people at the company that uh, you know that just that are they have lost, they have forgotten more about Java than I will ever know, you know, just ever. I mean, they're just amazing, amazing people. So uh, imagine my joy at being able to finally get Simon to join, uh, uh, to, to be on the podcast. I, to be honest with you, I didn't even ask him for a long time. He's just way above my pay grade. I didn't even think it would be like, why would he condescend to be on this little show? You know, I mean, he's a friend, he's been nothing but generous and kind to me for forever. You know, like I've just never had a bad experience with a man ever. And he's, uh, he's just a, a wonderful person, but I didn't, I mean, he's he's Simon Ritter. Come on. You know, like there's a there's a there are a few people uh, that offer as much as he does. So um, I was just really grateful. I hope you enjoyed today's show. It was a lot of fun uh, talking to him. And if I'm honest, I crave more. I wish we could talk some more. Uh, This this episode begat it it fell out of a conversation that we had at DevNexus, uh, which in turn turned into an invitation for this. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm greedy. I want more. I hope you enjoy what we had, though. Uh, It was a lot of fun. As always, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time. I can't tell you how long I've wanted to have this conversation with you, or just any conversation with you. It's been, and and then I finally got a chance to to, to start to have one with you just a, a, a you know thousands and thousands and thousands of, uh, of minutes ago. You know,
1: like
0: <laughs> yeah. not, not too long ago, we were in uh, sunny Atlanta, Georgia, which is uh, a nice place to go if you want to be in Atlanta, Georgia, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, and then we were at that DevNexus show, which is great, right? That's a, that's a good, one. Um, It it's
1: definitely the, I think that's the, the best one in the U S uh, I yeah. mean, you know, Java one, Except was great. For
0: spring one,
1: oh, spring, spring one. Yes. One. Yes. Must, must mention <laughs> spring one. Yes. Which I have been I to several times. <laughs>
0: yeah. But, but it's a general, general developer purpose, conference, yes, I hundred percent agree. General developer conference, great. Yeah. Um, that is a good show. Yeah, so 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 DevNexus is great. I mean, just you know, and it's deservedly so. That's the thing. It started from nothing. There's no corporate overlords that are like mm-hmm. infusing it with oodles of cash, right? It's just people love it and they pay for it, and therefore it gets done. You know. Um yes. On, I think it's that. it's
1: one of those examples of where Java user groups start a conference, yes. and then it, it it just builds up and builds up because I mean we've we've seen several of these, haven't we? So there, there's DevNexus in Atlanta. We have got JFocus, JavaZone, which is next week. That started yeah. with the uh, the Swedish Java user group, uh, JavaZone, as you say, with uh, Java Bin, as they call it, yeah. which is yeah. the uh, the Java user group there. <clears throat> uh, JavaLand in Germany,
0: yeah. which
1: is all the the. German Java user groups as well. So it's a it, consortium.
0: It's, I love that too. By the way, so the yes. whole whole country has like a, a network. Same in China. There's a huge like the green tea.
1: Oh, green tea jug. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. There's several of them. You know, all all connected. Um, mm. I love it when they're organized. You know, here yes. in the, here in the states, we're just sort of like, what's well, Java? And then if we have a user group, it's sort of you know, figure it out yourself.
1: Um, <laughs> yes, yes, but you're right. I mean, uh, lots of Java user groups and and lots of organization of of conferences. So DevNexus great example of that. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, that's good. So I I anyway, we were at the DevNexus show uh, and uh, we talked for just a bit, of, just a, a split second, and partly owing to my having to catch a flight, and also partly owing to the fact that you were busy, uh, just handling your you're you're being swarmed by people who were curious as to you know, what you're doing and how you've been doing and all that stuff. So I, I I didn't wanna detract from your 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 fans. Um uh, we didn't get to talk that much, is all I'm trying to say. It was just it was and it's been two and a half plus odd years at least since I've seen you in the in the show. Yes. So that was yes, that that was a pleasure, man. For in me. Fact, I,
1: I reckon the last uh, time I saw you in person was at DevNexus in 2020, because that was the last big conference uh... I did. And a lot of people said that was the last conference they did because it was just before everything shut down for COVID.
0: Isn't that, that was one of the, that was one of the biggest ones I did. It's was probably the biggest one I did, but it wasn't the last conference, but it was definitely the biggest. And you know, the worst part is I bombed.
1: Oh, really?
0: yeah. I don't know what, I don't remember what happened, but I just feel like one of my talks just didn't land well. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'll fix it next year. <laughs> like And then little bit <laughs> Little did I know, man. I thought I'd have the whole year, and then the year after, to like do the talk like a hundred more times, you know, and get good. But you know, virus. So, uh, so I don't even remember what the talk was. But I, I assure you, I didn't do the same one this time um, because you know didn't have what I didn't. I don't remember. I, you know, this one was fine. It was okay. Nobody died. Uh, nobody got COVID. At least not from me. I didn't. I didn't spread any COVID. Or death. You know what I'm saying? That's important. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so uh, I know who you are, but what is it? How would you describe yourself to the audience? Just so I don't butcher it.
1: Uh, Yeah, right. So, well, yes, my name is Simon Ritter. I am the deputy CTO at Azul, which really means I'm the understudy to Gil, who's the the real CTO. He's the one who does all the hard work. I I get to swan around. Uh, and do presentations and talk to people about what it is we do. Um, I have been in the Java space for a long time, basically since it really started. So I I joined Sun Microsystems way back in 1996, which actually makes me feel really old because that wasn't even my first job. Uh, It wasn't even my second job. So I'd been in the industry for a while before that. Joined Sun 1996, uh, basically around the same time that JDK 1.0 came out. And I figured that Java was something that was probably going to pick up and become quite popular. And so I worked for Sun for 14 years, uh, doing various things with Java, um, ended up doing a lot of developer advocacy for them. In fact, um, then we went to Oracle because we got acquired, and I continued doing developer advocacy at Oracle. Ended up running that team, and then about six and a half years ago now, I joined Azul, and I've been there. Uh, has it been like, six and a half years? Yeah, <laughs> I know it's amazing, isn't it? Six and a half years I've been there, uh, which has been quite quite a ride. Um, very very lots of fun, lots of fun, um, and continue makes- to do lots of Java stuff.
0: That was um that, so you're so so six and a half years ago, that was when Oracle was sort of they took their hands off the wheel of Java for just a minute. Just a brief lapse in, in Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Essentially care. what
1: happened was that that I was working as a like developer advocacy, the team, and Oracle decided they didn't want to do that anymore. So they laid me off, uh, which actually was, was okay for me because uh, I'd already started thinking I needed to do something different, well, different company. Yeah. And I'd started talking to Azul. And so literally I walked out of the door at Oracle okay. one day and the next day I walked straight into Azul, which was wonderful for me.
0: And yeah, I mean, but and I also, it worked out great for me because we got, uh, Jim, Jim Weaver and Mark Heckler. That's right. And, yes, and of course. Yeah. We, we, I almost we ended sold, up there. Yeah. I would have, Oh, that would have been great for, that would have <laughs> been great for us too, but we can't have all the nice things, you know? <laughs> so, but, but, but Mark Heckler has been like, that's my, that's my bro. And I love that guy. You yeah, know, like yeah. he doesn't, I don't know anybody who doesn't love that guy, but seriously, that's, I just love him. So. Oh, anyway, um, I, But I can't believe that's been six and a half years. It feels like yesterday. It feels like, I mean, the two years, of, two and a half years alighted by the pandemic, notwithstanding, mm-hmm. it's still four years I can't I account for, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing how time passes so quickly. You know, you have to think that it's now over 10 years since nope. Oracle acquired Sun uh and I that, to think that to me just it, seems you know i mean what 14 we like? years well it was 2010 was when so oh, 12 years ago literally 12 years ago uh when they finally acquired it and it was around this time 13 years ago because it was 2009 when they actually announced the the deal so it was april i remember um, yeah. when they announced that so it's literally 13 years ago that they announced they were buying sun that seems that very is, hard to believe as well
0: that is very very hard to believe and these sort of the open I, to me, open source Java is still weird. I haven't quite put my hands around that, like, I just can't, you know, it's I know it happened in like what, 2005 or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, I've seven, got okay. to say,
1: I, I think that the open sourcing of Java has worked really, really well. And I have to, you know, I have to take my hat off to Oracle in terms yep. of the way that they've handled it and the way that they've changed things in terms of the open jdk i I really like what they've done this six month release cadence for the the jdk time-based rather than feature related feature related um i think that that has been really good for moving java forward more quickly i mean we've seen lots of language features coming in we've seen lots of apis and so on and the idea of doing things as preview features and incubator modules really kind of helps to to allow people to have f- feedback and not necessarily set these things in stone straight away. And then people go, oh, we don't quite like it that way, but we can't change it because we've already made it that feature. So I, I think that's working really well.
0: So I, I mean, you and I talked, I, I think this is a thing that you and I and uh, Dr. Subramaniam, uh, and there's there's a few of us, I know that are very happy to just sit there and gush about how much we appreciate what Java has turned into, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at length. Uh, It's just been, yeah, you and I, a hundred percent. I actually tweeted about that the other day. Mm -hmm. I just, I just ran, I tried to, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw your tweet. I try to be grateful about, I try to be Mm -hmm. grateful because it's so easy to disparage Oracle, but you got to remember they did us all a huge solid by being great to the Java community, you know, except for, that brief moment where they (laughs) took the hand off the wheel, of course. Um, I mean, mistakes were made, but it turned out okay for you at least. And Mark didn't seem too upset. Um, Like it definitely worked out better for me. Let's put it that way. I got, (laughs) you know, I got some, I got a friend, Uh, but yeah, no, they've been great to the job. Really, really great to Java. And it's free. I can't believe I don't have to pay anything for this. It's crazy good. It's like,
1: I think that's the other thing that that has really kind of come out. Um, Okay, so there was the change to the six-month release cadence, but the other thing, Oracle changing their licensing terms, what that has led to is a proliferation of distributions. And we've seen this... In the way that you know, it's it's much more like Linux now, and I, I use Linux as an analogy when I talk about Java because people, a lot of people, don't really quite understand Open JDK. They say, "Oh yeah, we're just running Open JDK." Well, no, you're not quite. You're you're running a build of Open JDK because Open JDK right. is the source code, and you need somebody to build it and make a distribution of it, and. So yes, um, you know, so we, we have the JDK. I mean, lots of people now are making builds of it. And as you say, you know, there are free builds like the Zulu build that we do from Azul. There's, you know, builds from Amazon. You've got builds from Microsoft. I mean, that that one just kind of like for some of you <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, again, that's one of those companies that, if if I think back to the early days of Java and the the kind of fractious relationship that we had with uh, Microsoft, and even the lawsuit between Sun and Microsoft that got settled, you know, Microsoft yeah. ended paying ended up paying Microsoft one point nine billion dollars, <laughs> um, and now Microsoft are very much embraced Java in a very friendly way. They they contribute to the Open JDK. They have their own distribution that they provide for the azure cloud they you know make that available outside of the azure cloud as well if you want to use it um so yeah we've we've seen a proliferation of distributions both free and also with commercial support so if you if you're looking for something where you need that level of confidence you know if, if something goes wrong you've got somebody to ring then you can get that so you know at Azul, all, I'm going to say it. You know, we do that. So if you are looking for commercially supported Java, then we can provide that to you at a very reasonable cost.
0: Let's talk about that in a second because I do want to get to that. And by sure. the way, we had uh, we had uh, Gil Tene, who you know, our friend. Uh-huh.
1: Yes, Gilt- the real CTO.
0: Yeah. Well, the the yeah. Let's just say the first CTO. <laughs> there you go. The, the you know the current CTO. I he's uh you know he's uh, he's like you. He's just one of those figures that you can't, if you're in the Java ecosystem, you're going to bump into, to Giltana and Simon Ritter. It's just a fact. And by the way, you are one, you know, I I've told you this before in confidence and I've told other people, but I'll just say it now to you publicly, your, your presentations have always been the stuff of legend. I have loved your work for decades. And I, I remember watching your, you know, you've just done weird stuff with like cars and, you know yeah. like <laughs> was there like a nintendo no a Wii. like yes a- a Wii.
1: yes yes i, I yeah. th- when i was at sun Wii. i was so lucky and and even yeah. oracle as well i was so lucky to be in a position where we were trying to promote java and i, I had complete freedom to do basically whatever i wanted to do if you best. could use yeah if you could use java for it they they wanted us to do it and so as you say i ended up uh, putting uh, raspberry Pis in my car and connecting them to the canvas and using java to do that and connecting sensors and stuff like that i did a, a thing with the wii remote where i actually used the wii remote um, rather than holding it mounting that on a projector and then having a screen which had some LED, um some infrared leds on it and then you could move the screen and it would actually uh, detect where the screen was so it could project something onto it and even if you moved it um, that that used java fx as well which was was a lot of fun i did a multi-touch screen that i built uh, again using java and java fx um, even the, the one of the things actually i
0: wonder if i've got it
1: and <laughs> just grab this because actually i dug this out so i don't know if we can see this now, let, me, let me turn uh, the background your off. green screens. Yeah, let, let me let me just turn the background off because then it'll make life easier. Where are we? Crazy?
0: And remember, this is an audio podcast. We got to describe that.
1: all. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. guess <laughs> It's an audio podcast, right? So my blackjack playing Lego robot.
0: <laughs> what? That is a sentence I did not expect to hear. I'm yeah, this this is one of the very oh, early 22... ones I did.
1: I, I actually. I actually got to play with Lego at work. Uh, it was fantastic. So, so I, I bought the Mindstorm system, and I, oh, I was wow. a very, very small implementation of Java that would run on that called Lejos or Lejos Lehos, Um at Thirty-two kilobytes. Okay, so thirty-two kilobytes, an implementation of Java. Okay, it didn't have garbage collection. Didn't have <laughs> you know too many libraries, but but it actually ran Java bytecode. Um, and so I wrote this, this thing, uh, built this thing, which would actually play Blackjack. And it used voice recognition. It used voice synthesis. Uh, I used JMF, which is the Java Media Framework, to connect yeah. the webcam. And then it was detecting which card was actually going to be dealt and doing recognition on that. This was before the, the times of like, machine learning and all that kind of stuff. So I, I had so much fun uh, over yeah. the last 20 years just using Java. Me to build- too,
0: thanks to you.
1: <laughs> I, I i i'm very happy if i've inspired anybody with with the kind of weird things i've done
0: <laughs> oh i'm sure i'm sure the the numbers are in immeasurable but certainly you can count me among them uh i'm just a huge fan obviously i'm a big fan um you know so thank you for that so okay so then so all that great stuff and and you're you know obviously that's why we that's why i approached you i was hoping you'd make join us because we you know everybody loves uh, Simon Ritter, and you've just done really great stuff. Uh, and of course, Azul—they—they they just did a better job than than we did apparently. And 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 lucky them, Azul—they are also one of those people. That's like that's the Chocolate Factory, right? That's Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. There's some—I mean, there's no like slave Oompa Loompas or anything like that. You know, thank God. But uh, but but no. But it's 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 one of those places where I remember. I actually talked to them back in like 2009 about buying uh, a JVM appliance, like a piece of hardware that ran Java and had a, a garbage collector that could do, yes. you know, hundreds of gigabytes of RAM, you know? And I said, like, yes. oh, wow, that is s- wizard it,
1: it was stuff. It was called the Vega system. I mean, it was, it was yeah. actually before my time. And that was how the company started because um, Scott and Gil, Scott came from uh, a background of, of chip design. <clears throat> And so what they actually did was they, they actually designed their own chips and and had them manufactured, which were massive multi-core processors, which back in 2005, 2004, when, when they did this was... was just a moment.
0: Quite... You just said somebody had their own chips designed and manufactured and then just moved on. And yeah. I just wanted to s- sit in that moment for a second. I mean, <laughs> you don't just one does not simply just manufacture their own chips. It's, it's, well, we're, the, we're not even there.
1: You outsource that to somebody else's fab. Uh so you, okay you say, okay, I design it. And then you send it to somebody's fab and they they actually manufacture it. And what they discovered was that this was great for solving the problem of garbage collection, but it was not really a sort of cost effective solution, especially as processor design continued to evolve. And we saw faster and faster processors, more causing processors and things like that. So they, they then did a pivot and switched to the idea of a software solution which is where the idea of c4 came from c4 being the continuous concurrent compacting collector so this was a replacement for all the garbage collectors which we see in open jdk and it was the idea of addressing you know how to eliminate the latency caused by garbage collection. because obviously with, with a lot of applications that can be a problem and it's so not real time that's okay it's not, yeah, exactly, and so by eliminating the the pauses that you get with garbage collection, <clears throat> what they were <clears throat> what they were able to do is then sort of address a market like finance where people are doing high frequency trading and FX and all those sorts of things, and it's sort of evolved from there into, as you say, you know, we we. We've got this sort of chocolate factory where we, we just look at what can we do that's different. And we looked around and we said, okay, let's let's work on JIT compilation. So now oh, let's yeah. take LLVM, which is you know back end of a compiler designed to produce heavily optimized code, typically for C and C, but other languages as well. And how can we integrate that into the JVM as a JIT compiler rather than a static AOT compiler? So we did that. Wait,
0: so you've got a LLVM backend for shit
1: so yes yes so so we replaced c2 the c2 jit compiler in openjdk with what we call falcon which is essentially llvm i have questions sure
0: can because llvm has a WebAssembly target
1: right i (laughs) i must admit i don't think we've tried that (laughs) <laughs> we Come we on. rely on it for the for the compilation into native code for the particular platform that we we're running on. But uh, yeah, maybe that's something we should look at.
0: <laughs> maybe because that I mean, then you can run your, your. I mean, there's no garbage collection or objects in WebAssembly. But if anybody can get around that, mm.
1: it's
0: a tool. <laughs> uh, anyway, carry on. I'm,
1: I'm sure if I spoke to Gil about this, he'd go, "Oh no, 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 no." <laughs> but anyway. I,
0: but then he would make it work because he's, he's like you. He's just yes. amazing. So, like, so oh,
1: yeah, man, I'm sorry. So, so we did, we did the, the idea of how can we improve compilation so get better throughput for our JVM. And then the other thing we looked at was startup time. Because, of course, the, one of the other issues with, with Java is, and especially if you're going into a microservices environment, is the time it takes to get from interpretive mode through to your heavily optimized compiled code. Warm up time of your Java application. And what we, we initially did with that was we looked at okay, how can you take a running application and then record something about its current state so that we could reuse that when you started up the application? And we can do profiles, which are called ready now. And that means that when you start the application up again, you already know which methods you want to compile. You can even Base it on the profiling information that we had before. We can take a snapshot of compiled code. If we need to, we can. Re- or if we are able to, we can reuse compiled methods from the the stash that we've got. So we can we can definitely improve like startup time that way. Uh, and that was like kind of the next level. But there are other things that we're doing, which are again really kind of interesting. So the latest thing that we we're, we're doing at the moment is what we call the cloud native compiler, because if you're running in the cloud suddenly you can take advantage of all that connectivity. You can take advantage of the fact that you're running in an environment where you've got lots of resources that you can draw on in a dynamic way and you can connect to things. So as we run everything as a service, why not take the JIT compiler, and separate it from the JVM and make it into a central service. That way, when you've got lots of JVM instances all running the same thing, rather than all having to do the same work of analyzing which methods to compile, (laughs) compiling those methods, let's put it in a centralized service. That way, when one JVM starts up, it, it can compile, have the centralized service compile that code. Time When you start up the next service, of course, you've already got that code compiled, so you don't have to redo it again. So now you just pass it back to the new instance of that microservice or application, and it's already got that code to go and we can do all sorts of magic things with um, taking speculative optimizations, packaging them with code. So we know this method is compiled with these speculative optimizations. The same method is compiled with different set of speculative optimizations. And then depending on which application you're running, you, you provide that method based on the profile and all sorts of things like that. So that, that kind of thing to me is, is really kind of cool because what we're doing is addressing the, the warm up time, but also reducing the CPU load on those applications.
0: <laughs> you get faster code while also taking less resources, which is, oh, that's-
1: Precisely. Tragic. And in the cloud Sorry. environment, resources cost money. So if you can reduce them to resources, you can reduce the cost.
0: They literally, yeah, I mean, that's, you, it, there, you can actually connect this bytecode costs you money. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, that's-
1: But we we're actually going even further than that. So, so okay. there's another thing that we're working on, which is still a sort of bit of research project. Um, same idea as, so, so ready now, like I said, is where you run your application. You take a profile, which is sort of compile methods, um, you know, classes loaded and stuff like that. But it doesn't include any state about the application. So if you've got like a you know, load of stuff that you need to read in to process, then none of that is remembered. So the other thing that we've been working on is, is <laughs> the, the wonderfully named Java on crack. Um, I've heard about this. might need to have a little think about this. And this was actually what I was presenting about at DevNexus uh, the other week. And CRACK stands for Coordinated Restore at Checkpoint. And right. if you know a little bit about Linux, there's a thing in Linux called CryU, which is Coordinated Restore in User Space. The idea behind that is that you can basically run an application and then pause it where you take a snapshot of all the state of that application. So registers, your stack, all of the memory that's associated with that take a copy of it, and then at some time later, you just essentially restart that application by you know, starting up a, an application, starting up a processor and, and reading all the information, off you go. So what we said is, okay, can we take that to the Java level and make it a bit more clever? Because cryo just really sort of stops things and then restarts them. And we said, okay, so we'll introduce a very small API so that the, the application knows that it's going to pause So you run your application. You decide, okay, I want to take a snapshot. So a method gets called that says, right, we're going to take a snapshot. That way, if you've got any open files or network connections, you can close those down carefully. And then when you start up again, method gets called. So your application knows that it's just being restarted from a snapshot. And it says, right, I need to open these files again. I need to reestablish this network connection do it all in a very coordinated and tidy way so that the application can continue exactly from where it was when it started off. And potentially you could do that for multiple times. So you could have multiple instances of the same application. Now Spring Boot. Let's let's talk a little bit about Spring here. I, I can bring Spring uh-huh. the equation here. So we, we did a proof of concept with this and we ran a Spring Boot application and on the machine that we ran it on it took four seconds to start up the Java virtual machine to get to the point where we could do a first uh, transaction, processing first transaction. On using crack, so we, we ran the application, did a pause, restarted it from the checkpoint. How long do you think it took to get to run the first transaction? So four seconds was what it was on just cold start. What do you think it was with crack?
0: Uh, gosh. Uh, I w- I'm feeling lucky. How about a second?
1: Forty milliseconds. So two orders of magnitude faster.
0: Yikes! I was so, I was off by
1: nine hundred and sixty. So it 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 has it's not finished yet. Um, the, there's still some some rough edges that need to be worked on but it is an open jdk project so we we contributed this we asked um the open jdk community if we could make this project in there we've actually submitted it it has a repo you can go and have a look at it. it's all open source um, there's details of the results that we've done with our proof concept you've even got all the stuff that you need in on the, the github uh, to actually reproduce this so if you want to run it on your own spring boot application then you could try it on there like i say it's not production ready yet but certainly something that people might want to try because you can get yeah. really fast startup on this stuff.
0: And so this proof of concept is, is part of OpenJK, but can I try it out on Azure?
1: You can. Um, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's basically just using OpenJDK at the moment. And they're, they're, like I say, we have a, a build or the, there's a repo where you can have a look at. I think we might actually... yeah, I'm pretty sure we've got some some builds you can download for that as well.
0: That's amazing. That's And I actually... Hill and I talked about this a couple of years ago, actually uh, in person. That's how I know it must've been a few years ago. Uh, we had a conversation about this and I was just thinking that's, that's amazing because it, it seems so obvious. Every other runtime you can think of has an activation and passivation cycle, right? Like right. if you've, if you've got state, you need those mm-hmm. life cycle hooks yes. and we just deprecated finalizers. So I get the feeling, you know, you think like, well, gosh, Java had like one half of the story mm-hmm. had constructors and finalizers. Uh, and, and that, even that doesn't map nicely to activation and passivation. Mm. Apple's had this. EGB's had this, you know, like uh, just in spring, of course, it has a life cycle. The container has yeah. it starting to stop and all that. It just seems such, like such a natural idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, Android, you know, activities. Yes. Same idea. They They restore their UI,
1: mm-hmm. not
0: from cold, not from a cold start, but from like, here's you know we're we're back to where we were but i need to reconnect certain sockets or whatever you know
1: yes i know a lot of the the ideas uh, behind this came from more of an embedded type of application because we have customers who who do a lot of stuff with like um, in-car infotainment systems and they want really fast startup for those things because of course you you turn the car on you want your infotainment system there ready to go and yeah. you don't want to be waiting well okay it's four seconds five seconds you know until you can turn the radio on you want it right there and so a lot of what we did with this came out of that
0: <laughs> I- you know, it's for a language that has that owes its humble beginnings to set-top boxes and oak and yeah. and all that. We we sure have to, it. Sure has taken a long while to deliver on on that dream. You know that it's delivered on everything else, but <laughs> embedded set-top the, the firmware and devices. That's we're getting there. Uh, wow, yeah. this techno and 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 of course getting that right for that use case makes it. You know it'll certainly work for every other use like microservices mm. will be a cinch right like yes uh, and, and serverless i uh, cannot wait to see the applications
1: for that exactly yes you see serverless would be would be a, a perfect example of that because you could start up and you'd have that state available you know straight away and you've also got because you you've you could run it as a sort of longer running service potentially yeah. to get that optimization of the code and then run it for short periods of time with the optimizations built in
0: yeah we just need to get some cloud uh, infrastructure that charges per request as opposed to yeah. runtime footprint. But yeah, that's that would be phenomenal. That would be a, a game changer. And it and it gives you the best of both worlds. You can have your Java and start up really quickly too, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. That's amazing. And
1: get performance so, as well, you see, because I mean if you yeah. look at things like Graal, so Graal, you know, takes a different approach to this idea. So you get very fast startup because you're running native code straight away. So you make create a native image, which, yes, it will give you faster startup lower footprint but if you want to run something for longer the problem that you face is that with um ahead of time compilation um, you're never going to get the same level of optimization that you will with jit compilation simply because of the fact you you have a view of the running system when you compile the code so right. things like method inlining you could do more aggressively things like speculative optimizations you can use much more efficiently in fact you know it's very difficult to use speculative optimizations on ahead of time compilation unless sure. you're doing profile guided optimization, but you know, so, so Graal is great um, and does give you fast startup and, and native code. But what we're looking at is how can you get that fast startup and get that high level of optimization that you would get with a normal JVM. Wow.
0: That's a, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and also I, you don't have to give up your, I mean, Graal, it works if you can feed it the configuration to make it work, right? But Java has, I mean, I, I, I do like GraalVM's native, when we talk about GraalVM, in this instance, we're talking about the native image compiler. Yes. Because yes. GraalVM, in the broadest sense, is a hotspot replacement, right? Um, yeah, it
1: runs on top of OpenJDK. So, uh, yeah. you know, so if, if you're not running the native image, you're essentially just running Java code on top of the JVM. Um, it's a little bit different, but, but, the, but the big advantage we grow is native image.
0: Yeah. So that native image bit uh, that it works, but you have to tell it about all the things mm-hmm. that might offend it, right?
1: Yeah, like um, reflection.
0: <laughs> like reflection, which Java, you know, just is or or loading things from jars or yes. you yes. know, serialization. I mean, all these things are just uh, anathema to what the native image compiler is trying to do. I and also kinda that if I'm grateful for one thing, uh, I mean I mean I'm grateful for a lot of things, but if I'm grateful for one thing to come out of the whole graphium native image compilation discussion it's how ridiculous the concept of compilation has become for us i i I, maybe it's stockholm syndrome i don't know like every other language when you when you take a source code and turn it into interpreted Mm bytecode, you don't have to compile it because that it just seems like you haven't gotten anything therefore you shouldn't have to do the extra work right right there's no (laughs) compiler you it's just being interpreted right i can take a Python. program and feed it into the interpreter and it'll turn into bytecode and then run it. Right. (laughs) Uh, And so and then languages that are actually honest to goodness properly compiled like C or whatever, yeah, you're compiling it, but you get an application that benefits from that compilation, right? It's really fast and lightweight and all that. Somehow in Java, we managed to get the worst permutation of all those. Like we have to take (laughs) our interpreter bytecode compile yes, it and we still don't get native compilation
1: performance <laughs> benefits you know <laughs> yeah see i'd argue we get the best of both worlds rather than the worst of both uh, worlds <laughs> go on well we because yeah. okay so so I, I i get what you're saying so th- there's an additional layer of compilation that you so if you're running like python code you don't pre-compile your python code you just run no. it and the interpreting yes. happens at that point but what we do by in java is we do that that level of compilation into bytecodes first. So we, we have bytecodes. And remember it doesn't have to be Java, it could be Scala, it could be Kotlin, you know, other languages can be compiled sure. into these bytecodes. So it gives us more benefit that way. Um, and then what we're able to do is take those bytecodes as platform neutral, deploy them wherever we want to, and then do the compilation uh, at runtime to get that better level of performance. So yes, I mean we, we do have the issues of of like warm-up which is what we're trying to address. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, the the performance is going to be better by doing it this way. At least I think it is.
0: Fingers crossed. I I mean, obviously, it's not that big a deal. I don't I don't actually stop to notice that I'm compiling anymore uh, until I go back to scripting languages and I'm like, oh, okay, there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to stop here. It just just source code program find whatever. It's gonna be okay. I I, I like. Uh, Java, and they do have now an interpreted mode, right? You can actually just feed it some source code and say yes. Java, main.java. So, yes. you know, I'll quit my convention, I suppose.
1: <laughs> Which is really only just like, you know, sort of syntactic sugar, isn't it? Because remember, if you do Java, main.java, all it's really doing is running Java C first and then running Java
0: on the result of Java C. So
1: it's just combining but, the two steps for you. <laughs>
0: well, that's that's what I'm trying to say. That's what Python yeah. does, right? It runs right. Python yeah. C. Yeah. And then turns it into bytecode, and then it runs that. It just seems like we've gotten somehow the the worst uh, step. And we have J
1: shell as well. So
0: (laughs) yes, oh yeah, J shell is glorious. I mean, it really is. I I can actually I've written some non trivial scripts on my operating system that do things for me. You know, uh, as Java code. I've almost managed to get like a Spring Boot app working as a shell script. Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think I saw you talk about. Another one that I like is uh, JLink, you know JLink has oh, yes. really interesting yes, yes yes really really amazing possibilities. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean that, that's another one of those things that that is probably one of the biggest benefits I think from moving to Java 9 in the module system is by doing JLink because again, you know, if we talk about microservices what we what we're trying to do is minimize the resource utilization. <clears throat> and to do that in the best possible way, we want the smallest possible runtime. Yeah. How do we do that? Eliminate all the stuff we don't need and JLink Enables us to do that, whereas before we were faced with just one big rt.jar file. Now yeah. split it up into modules, and we can just select which modules we need. Make it much smaller. So JLink, yeah, very very good. Yeah.
0: This well, that's okay. So the um the rt is yeah. So okay, what I'm what I'm getting from JLink is I get a, a smaller, more concise, more svelte Java runtime. Yes. And uh, a more of self uh, link path, you know, class path, because I'm I'm only using the things I actually use, right? Yes. I'm only keeping the things I use. Um, but there, I have to use modules. Mm-hmm. With GraalVM, I get well, a.
1: Yeah, you, I mean, you only have to use modules in the sense you have to use modules in the JDK, which are all there. You don't have to use modules in your application because you can leave oh, okay. everything on the class path, and you can still use JLink. Because I wrote a blog about this ages ago, where as so long as you know which things you need, then you build yep. the you you build the runtime using JLink for the modules in your JVM, and all then right. you just run your application as a bunch of jar files in the class path, still using the jlinks Java runtime. So you can get the best of both worlds on that one.
0: That is true. Um, okay. I, we, I, we, recant on that one, but, uh, so you're, you've got GraalVM VM though, but that requires oodles of JSON config, uh, that you need to feed into the GraalVM VM native image compilation process to, to result in the, the binary that you're looking for. And it's not guaranteed. And as you say that uh, over time, because the garbage collector is less efficient, um, you know, your throughput might not be what it was on JRE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that, and, and yeah, it seems like there's some there's some very interesting opportunities on the horizon, but they all require concessions, mm-hmm. as opposed to this this crack and uh, Azul um, yep. ready, ready to ready what ready, ready now, now. Yeah. yeah as opposed to that that mix which seems to give me just take your stock standard Java app that worked on the JRE yesterday yep we'll make it so it runs way better
1: that that's know. that's really kind of our our entire philosophy behind this is how can we take your java application and not change it at all so no wow. code changes no recompilation of byte codes and make it run faster so the important thing is we don't have to change any of your code and you don't have wow. to do anything special so you from from your developer point of view, your application point of view, it's completely invisible. You just get better performance. That's that's our real design philosophy. I, you know, I've never even really kind of thought about it that way, but that really is Azul's philosophy behind this, is just to make things faster without changing any of your stuff.
0: I love that. Um, so tell me about how how do I get my hands on this stuff? Like, okay, so I've got SDK Manager. Have you tried SDK Manager recently? It's a, um, bit of a yes it's getting a little silly sdk okay. list java gives give you like <laughs> yes like 500 different jvms and jres and jdks and what all, what all. Um, is is what i'm looking for in that list or where do i go to download something
1: yeah so so if you want just the, the the vanilla zulu builds of whichever version of java you're looking for you can get those free we can do that you can do that through sdk man if you're looking for the more kind of specialized stuff um then for the the high performance jvm side of things that's what we call platform prime it used to be called zing um you can download that from our website you can get a uh, you can download the free builds uh, to try it out if you then want to use it in production then you can talk to us about the the price of licensing but you know for testing and everything it's, it's completely free uh, there's no problem with that um, same with crack um you can download that free like i say it's still not a production version yet so it is a, a research project um, under openjdk but you can download the stuff for that and try it out and you know send us feedback
0: that's awesome so is there a website that people can go to get started with all this stuff like uh... um
1: so either go to the dot website and just follow the the big link at the top which is download and that will take you to all the downloads that you need or you can go to OpenJDK, and on the left-hand side, under the projects listing, there's one called Crack C R A C, and you just click on that, and that will take you to the links for the GitHub repo and the um, you know the, the the information about it.
0: And you've I I just did what you uh, told me to do, and I right there, right below the fold, but still right there in your face, there's a link to the cloud native compiler, which is ah, there we go. That that's the thing I want to try. Like that is magic, you know, because I I don't even I never even thought about it. But how much is the JIT process? Is it, I, I I know from GraalVM it's very expensive to do native mm-hmm. compilation.
1: It, it's know? one of those things that that if if you look at the sort of graphs, obviously if you've got a long running application, you know it, it it imposes a a problem at startup. So you know the first few minutes might be heavy loading yeah. the CPU with compilation, and your application doesn't run as quickly. If you're going to run that application for you know days or weeks, then the first five minutes doesn't really matter too much. But Like I say, if you're in a microservices environment where you want these things to spin up quickly, perform right from the word go, and then potentially only be used for a short space of time before they're then shut down, because you're dynamically responding to changes in load, then this becomes much more significant. But again, even for big applications where you're, you know, a trading application, for example, you want nine o'clock in the morning, boom, full speed for your application. So, you know... Either you, you can start up a little bit early, go through the, the warm-up phase, or you can just say, "Right, I need it at nine o'clock." Start at nine o'clock.
0: I and I remember so that 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 warm-up period is such an it's such a well understood part of the. I mean, in the way that the gil, the global interpreter lock, is a big part of the Python eco ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? Like you just know it's going to cause problems, yeah. And so you you cannot exist in that community kind of oblivious to it. You just need to confront it and just. It's possible to do good things with it, but it's going to be that thing you have to care about. In that same way, the startup time, that warm up time for any kind of serious Java deployment, is a thing. And I, I remember even 10, 15 years ago, we're reading about how Google and uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Alibaba and all these companies were they they knew about that particular dynamic in the JVM where they they'd start up these applications and they would have they'd they'd exercise them.
1: Yep. Yep. But that and,
0: was stochastic. And- you know, you don't know what you're going to get.
1: Exactly because you know this is this thing that people have, have always tried to do is, is like you said so so start up an application before you need it uh, run like sample workloads through it, but you're never totally replicating what you're going to get with your real workload so there's always that kind of side to it so yeah, yeah um, it, it's different approaches to it
0: I, I I think what you're talking about is just oh, that's it, it's not just for Google. I mentioned those those companies because they're the ones that were big enough that they came out and talked about it. Mm. But it's it's not hard to get to a point where you can. The difference between being able to respond in time or not can be your ability to get to to JIT yeah. on certain workloads. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Open JDK has done some things to to try and look at this in the past already. So if you look at things like um, application class data sharing, that was yeah. Uh, so one area of work to improve startup time so rather than having to load classes and go through the whole process of verification and stuff like that um, you, you take a, a memory image and you directly map that into your jvm when you start it up so you've already got that stuff ready to go um, so that alleviates part of the problem but it doesn't alleviate the problem with the compilation side of things so that's what really really we're really trying to focus on is the compilation part of this um, yeah. so people do often ask me well how does this relate to app cds when we're doing this work. So AppCDS is great, you know, it solves part of the problem, but doesn't solve all of it.
0: Oh, that's okay. At least it's, I mean, I'm just glad that there's a, uh, these problems are solved. Thanks to Zool, thanks to AppCDS, you know, that that such a wonderful ecosystem. Um, You're a huge part of that ecosystem. You're one of the reasons I'm just glad to be here. I don't have to do a lot (laughs) of work. You know, I I get to stand on your your proverbial shoulders. Uh, I know a lot of people, Appreciate you and uh, and want to know more from you. Where do they go? What's the um, are so, you on the internet?
1: Yeah, um, so obviously my Twitter handle is speak Java. So and that's pretty straightforward. Uh, I'm, it took me ages to figure that one out when I joined Twitter. What's sort of like ten years ago, uh, trying to find a handle that would work. So speak Java seems to sum up what I do in in one word. Yeah. Um, I write blogs on. Azure website, so that's um, an easy place to go if you just go to our website, and at the top, you'll find a link, a drop-down link on more information or something, and you can find our blogs there, um, various things that I write on, obviously, you know, Java, lots of stuff there, um, and I, there's various webinar links that you can find from our website as well, and obviously, I do a lot of presentations at conferences, so I was at Dev, DevOps France last week. I was at DevNexus the week before that, um, let's see what we've got coming up. So, oh, next week is J Focus, and then yeah. the week after is DevOps UK. So, all good stuff. And
0: you get around. I, I would if you. Uh, is there a way to get a ha- my, get your hands on a a video of that Wii demo? That was one of the coolest things I've ever had the privilege of seeing. You so know,
1: I, I have to have a look to see whether because uh, there might be something on YouTube. Um, I can I, In fact, I think there was because uh, it was part of the Java One keynote, the James Gosling toy show, and we did it there. So I think if you look up the Java One James Gosling keynote, I can't remember which year it was. It might have been two thousand and nine. I'm, gone. Yeah. I'm really testing my memory now. It uh, might have been 2009, <laughs> might have been 2008. I can't remember, um, oh. but it, it was in, in there.
0: You're, you're one of the, the mad scientists uh, that I'm just, <laughs> I'm glad you work, I'm glad you're on the same team because I wouldn't want to be opposed to you, my friend.
1: <laughs> oh, I just had so much fun with this stuff over the years. <laughs> Java is, is just, that's one of the things that really appeals to me about Java is that if you want to try and do something, you know, there's a library to help you out. And it doesn't matter what you're trying to do, somebody yeah. will have written a library. So when I did that Wii stuff, somebody had written a Bluetooth library that enabled yep. me to talk to Bluetooth. I had to fiddle around with it a bit, but but that was one big bit. So I, I had Bluetooth. Huge. And, and yeah. then somebody had written, a. I think there was even a Wii library that somebody had written that I could connect to it and, and interpret the stuff from there. And then it was JavaFX, so there was like a fantastic set of libraries there. Right with the, the Lego robot, like I said, you had JMF, which was okay, I guess ages old now, but it still works. And yeah. you had uh, the Java speech API, there was um even things like um, I'm trying to think oh Sphinx, um, which was a library <laughs> that Carnegie, the, Milligan. Carney, yeah, yeah, Carnegie exactly. Milligan. Yeah, Carnegie- yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: Carnegie Mellon. So Sphinx, I I've speech.
1: used that. Yeah. And it, it works, library. So, you know, you do yeah. voice recognition and uh, also plus Legos, like I said, which was the the stuff that people wrote. So you talk about standing on my shoulders. I stand on the shoulders of so many people, you know, I, there's so all. many people out there writing code and and helping to make this kind of stuff easier. That's one of the things I love about the Java community is you can just find stuff to do.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, your it has been help. a real pleasure likewise i appreciate it i'll see you uh fingers crossed uh, in, in in the uk for devops okay
1: UK. okay <laughs> right thanks a lot
0: I sampled music from Steve Combs' Them from Morning in Springtime and Steve Combs' Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the Production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com, forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.